Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined by Tom Rennie, uh, who is a broadcasting journalist, a man of strident opinions. And trenchant. Trenchant and strident and strident and trenchant. Uh, what a du- double act they were. He joined us, had a look back on the weekends. We won't agree with everything, but um, anyway, uh, we spoke to him. We spoke to Benjamin Zephaniah, didn't we? Poet, yeah. writer. Interesting. Yeah, new documentaries involved with. Uh, we had a chat about various things. Yeah. And what else? And we had some clips. Clips of the week pewter from 2009, which had a few corkers in it. Um, so here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Yeah, so it wasn't a great weekend, was it, really, sports-wise? No, it no. Promised to be good, but it just turned out to be a bit of a damp squid, as yes, they say. Yes, a damp squid, <laughs> certainly from our point of view, with our respective clubs on top mm. of the golf and the boxing, but we'll be discussing all of those. Certainly the golf and the boxing. It's easier mm. for me to cope with Tottenham's defeat, because I've never really been a fan mm. of Tottenham Hotspur as a football club. It's much more... I've got a half-and-half half scarf. Half-and-half half is mm. the is the event side. Yeah. So I'm very much into Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> events. Yeah. And the other half is Tottenham Hotspur real estate <laughs> and our acquisitions and <laughs> buying up land. Um, and that's predominantly <clears throat> who I support. So no, they're, the, they're the two arms of the club that, that I, I'm getting behind now because they're going rather well. It was an astonishingly poor... But I don't like yeah. to criticise another team. Oh, no. It was an astonishing performance. It's a bit I'm, of a shocker, You know, uh, Teddy Cascarino, a lot of people saying, oh, now Arsenal can finish top four. You know, I think people are getting a little bit... Uh, carried away. I mean, you know, they didn't look good, uh, Spurs, in that game. In the first 20 minutes, they were blown away, and Arsenal did play well. But, mm. you know, whether that's going to happen every week, I'm not entirely convinced. Um, at Chelsea, it was disappointing. I mean, they just... Pep got it right. Tuchel got it wrong. The margins between these two teams isn't great. Yeah. You know, it's small, and, uh, and on the day, City were fantastic. Honestly, they're pressing and they're swarming but it took him 44 minutes to go work out it might be not a bad idea to go long to Lukaku and get people around him mm. you know rather than lose the ball 25 times in your own end sort of thing but you know it's the way it was and uh, it could have been a lot more than 1-0 really it was a pretty comprehensive 1-0 I, I noticed though that uh, you know Nusret Salt Bay has opened a new restaurant oh yes yeah and all the celebrities go there and uh, Timo Werner was there on Saturday night he genuinely was <laughs> was he really? yeah yeah I've got a photo of him he was there and um, you know they, he, Nusret likes to get them to do the celebrity salt sprinkling you know mm. I think but he wouldn't let Timo do it because he knew he'd miss the steak <laughs> get it in some bloke's <laughs> eyes that'd be terrible wouldn't it yeah <laughs> I see Laurie's coming to gloat That's yeah fantastic. Oh, yeah, isn't it? You never, oh, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him for about five years. Yeah. One of our management team. He never comes in. It's brilliant, uh, honestly. Normally. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to give him the satisfaction of getting no. stuck in. I'm going to wait to. No, I'm not really. Just, we're going to talk to Tom Rennie about yeah. all the football. We're going to bit of a get a bit of distance on some of the big stories because I feel like over the years I'd just be basically repeating myself. You yeah. Know? So you I, know. I, I can bring nothing fresh to the table after a performance I've. Sadly, seen quite a few times, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty concerned about that, and I'm quite concerned about where the manager's going, and 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 I don't see a discernible way of playing. I did at Wolves, but I don't quite see what he's trying to do. I I know what crackers things. I agree with him. The blame is with Enoch. The blame is with Daniel Levy. You know, it was certain things. Don't keep somebody. Somebody wants to leave, like as much as Kane wanted to leave. Don't keep him. Look what Villa have done without Grealish. What they did with the Grealish money, Hmm. and how well they're playing, and how well they've done. That's what Spurs should have done. You know, they could have... Bloke said to me on, on Saturday at Brentford, 
You know, they could have had Ivan Tony. They could have. He's yeah. brilliant. Oh, he's he playing well. Fantastic. I'm not singling. I wouldn't single Kane out for yesterday, but he is a kind of bit of a benign. He's a, this is mm. presence at the moment at the club. You know, when he's your talisman and you know he doesn't want to be there, that must infect Son. It must infect everybody. So you it, saw the way they played in the first game without him. And so that would yeah. have come to the fore, and you would have had new players. A couple of maybe two or three new players. I, I thought it was. A, Mistake at the time, it looks even bigger mistake now, you know. Don't keep somebody in your organisation who isn't happy to be there. Um, as a side order to the uh, Timo Werner at uh, Salt Bay, the GC went as well, and she ordered us the £700 steak. Oh, did she really? Yeah. But for her, it's £700 well spent because she'll end up in the paper, she'll end up sort of like all social media. So yeah. for her, it's a Is this going to be, you're going to be on Salt Baywatch from there, are you? You're <laughs> going to stand good. outside like an autograph hunter. <laughs> no, well, it might go for my birthday. But oh, hello. Is, uh, is, the, GC, <laughs> hello, mate. is the GC still inside? Do you know when she's coming out? She yeah. finished her steak yet? Yeah, you're going to be outside <laughs> with your car coat and you get your book signed. I will. Yeah, I'll be like that. Yeah. And... Uh, Harlequins, the rugby team, presented a shirt to the first woman to referee a premiership game, Sarah Cox, mm. uh, which was a nice thing to do. And funny enough, Pip, uh, Pip, who's my, Pip? My writing, Pip, Pip Guardiola. <laughs> is that is that his son? <laughs> Pep yes. gave Michael Oliver in that one. Gave Michael Oliver a City one before the Saturday game. Yeah. Wore it underneath his shirt. It was tremendous. You thought you thought he was a bit. You thought. Oh, he was a bit biased, did you? I just but you are like, a bit biased. I am biased, but it's not. I think I saw some astonishingly poor refereeing mm. over the weekend. Not in big decisions, but this this kind of laissez-faire. They always go too far the other way. This laissez-faire thing where they've said, "Oh, we're going to let them play." Yeah, but sometimes it is a foul. You know, you do have to give it. There was a lot of that in both the Brentford game and in the yeah, because you went to two matches. I you did. went to see uh, Brentford versus Liverpool, which you very much enjoyed. Oh, the, what a fabulous game of football. That's the best game I've been to for a long time. I really enjoyed it. Uh, slightly, not spoilt because Brentford got the result in the end, but at 3-2 when Davis scored a wonderful goal, there were two people directly behind us mm. um, in, a, in a separate section. In the kind of, We sit in the last row of the sort of dugout, which is the less posh than the yeah. main posh section. And these two people there, Liverpool fans, and... They'd been quiet all the time when Liverpool had gone ahead. But what 3-2, I suppose they couldn't resist it. Yeah. And they sort of started cheering and screaming. The bloke next to me got angry and then it all sort of, you know... Sort of the stewards sh- came up, did they? Stu- eventually the stewards came up because after when it was 3-3, then every single person turned around to them and gave it to them. Right. And then it all sort of kicked off and then they got thrown out. Right. So they, they didn't follow... You Look, theoretically, you should be able to cheer your team. Yeah, wherever you want any to sit. part of the stadium. But we all know how it works, and the etiquette is you sit in your hands, you keep quiet, and you don't say anything. And they didn't do that, and, you know, it was pretty unfortunate, really. So when you when Chelsea played Brentford, people were asking you about that. Yeah, yeah, they? well, the one bloke recognised me, he said to me, you should give up your Chelsea season ticket, you just have this one. And uh, and the bloke next to me was very upset. He was a nice, he's a nice guy, you know, and he got upset with him. And he said, one of the reasons I'm upset is I can't, Get my dad in. I, you know, there's no tickets and everything. And I wanted. He loves Brentford and he's seventy and blah blah blah. So I said to him, "Look, I can't go to the Leicester game. So you can have my ticket and take your dad." Nice, so, nice. So oh, yeah, nice touch. So I said, "But when Chelsea play here, you know, you all n- n- know who I am. I'm, but I'm not going to celebrate if Chelsea score. As it happens, the way both teams played Saturday, I'm quite slightly doubt that they would yeah. score. But if they do, it cut to you, you know. not saying anything, but still being thrown off the balcony. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I'll just anyway, uh, Germany are playing England at cricket. It's an England England yeah. 11. Um, oh, it's my not goodness. 18 for four. Yeah, 18 for four. Germany were yeah. about 55 for nine. It's 10 overs, we should point yeah. out. I mean, it's some quite comical cricket at times. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we've, we started thinking about German cricketers. I still mm. think this is sort of rife with problems. So bear in mind the time mm. of day and the taste factor. But uh, if you've got any, have you got any? I've got Mornay Merkel. <laughs> Thank you. It's not bad. Bismarck Ramprakash. Yeah, that's pretty decent. And Luke Reich. Okay, right, fair, see what I mean. Uh, Talksport.com. Right. <laughs> no, mm, not happy with that one. Talksport.com, text 1889, tweet TSH But almost certainly, we probably won't read them out by the sound of it. Um, Max Rushton um, said, I'm not even on air today, but I'm interested to know. <laughs> I'm interested to know about um, footballers you've seen at petrol stations. I thought, oh, really? Are you, what Max? A pointless. And thing. Then, uh, then he gives me a whole list of them. Does he? Go, yeah, because people have been coming back to him. He's given me an 11, mm. for goodness sake. 
He said uh, Bob Wilson at a petrol station. Apparently, Bob's uh, Wikipedia mm. picture called it Adam Hurry is a, a close up of Bob, but when you pull out on that picture, he's filling his car full of petrol. Mm. Who would have known that was uh, such an exciting thing to do <laughs> when that picture was taken? Who are they? Um, Gary Kelly, twice at the same petrol mm. station. Nigel uh, Winterburn at a petrol station seven years ago. I mean, there's no story, though, is there? Because ultimately, mm. you say, okay, well, what were they doing? Yeah. Well, they were buying petrol. Who's there? Lionel Messi. <laughs> Filling yeah. up his moped. I mean, you know, Paolo one chopper at a shell garage, Princess Parkway, Moss Side. He had an incredibly long fur coat on in a red Ferrari. Mm. Well, I suppose that gives you a bit more, doesn't it, oh, really? No. Houseman has a wonderful photo of a, of a people queuing to get to a petrol station and a bloke in a Tesla driving straight past them. Yeah. How smug must you have felt? Oh, yes, I did see an, an electric taxi mm. yesterday. must be enjoying life. What about cricketers? Bevin Peterson, yeah. BP. Um, what about Franz Battenballer, <laughs> says uh, yeah. says Brocky. OK, that, that's within the realms of taste. Talksport.com, text 1889, tweet TSHJ. Mm. For that, for the footballers you've seen at petrol stations, maybe we need a little more flesh on the bones and Steve Harkness at, at that BP off the M52. <laughs> he was putting in petrol or was it diesel? Um, it's a classic it's... Max call subject when he can't be bothered to do any prep. <laughs> rubbish. Well, who knows? It might be gold and he's given it to us. Well, he says for nothing, we may get an invoice. We'll see. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Time to look back uh, over the weekend's football. Tom Rennie, broadcaster and journalist, has joined us uh, in the studio once again. Tom, you were at um, the Emirates yesterday. Uh, you are a West Ham fan, so you've got a bit of distance on this. <laughs> yes. So, Though um, I always enjoy Spurs getting beat, of oh, course, of course, because of that. Do. I understand that. But I'd have enjoyed yeah. it either way yesterday, yeah, to be fair. Yeah. Sure. So um, what did you make of it? Um, well, firstly, I already can feel the tweets coming in and people saying it's another journalist coming on and not giving Arsenal the credit they deserve for their, for their performance. They were OK. They yeah. played quite well. Uh, that was probably their best 11. And certainly in that first 45 minutes, some of the football was brilliantly fluid. So, except that, Arsenal fans, you did well. And you were also they still look vulnerable the at the back to yeah. me. They don't look great. They've got some problems yeah, still, yeah. but that was the best performance they've had in a long, long time. They seemed to harness Emirates Stadium for the first time. And there was a brilliant bit when the third goal went in from our vantage point, and there was a dad who was about 50-55 in his Arsenal shirt with his daughter who was like 10-ish. When the third went in, he turned around to her and he'd been quite wild during the goals, and he literally picked her up right in her face and was like, I can't believe this. It was such an amazing... You know, that was that was replicated by 55,000 Arsenal fans that were there. But park that, and let's talk about Tottenham Hotspur in that hmm. first 45 minutes. And I'm sure you were raging yesterday. Oh, yeah. And it looked it looked to us, and I was chatting to Faye, I was sitting next to Faye Carruthers during the game, it looked to us like a bunch of players who'd been given different individual tactics 
No collective <laughs> tactics God. at all, yeah. but none of them were then doing those tactics. They all decided, you know what, I'm going to do what I want. And the, the complete mess of the performance, you know, to give you an example, the goal that Aubameyang scored. So, and Dombello, who I, I'm not getting it, I've never seen him have a good game. I don't understand the point of this guy. He looks like he's brittle but muscular. He attacks, but he doesn't score many goals. He, he could play defensive but can't tackle. So many weird things with this guy a terrible signing and Deli Alley whatever happened to Deli Alley they're meant to be doing the pressing forward the ball goes out to Xhaka when he does that brilliant turn but who's pressing him it's Hoybier, the guy who's not meant to be doing the pressing mm. and so when he gets away with that brilliant turn and passes it out they're through Tottenham yeah they are through Tottenham with one turn from Xhaka on the edge of his own penalty area and then you're thinking okay well Tanganga's going to be there well he's gone why is Tanganga 20 yards up the line when Jack is turning with his face to his own goal and his own penalty area? The other side, Reguilon's not there, and suddenly, with a few nice moves, Arsenal were through within mm. three, four seconds. Yeah. And as good as that was for Arsenal, it was inexplicable from Tottenham all the way through. They were catastrophically bad. And I would say individuals deserve the blame, but also the manager deserves the blame, sure. because I have no idea what they were told to do. And you could tell in that first ten minutes, it's a derby, right? I'm not sure Nuno understands the importance of London derbies to teams from London and just how many there are. Mm. Um, but Arsenal were obviously told, get stuck in. Get stuck in. Kick them challenge them, get everybody up. The first challenge from a Spurs player was Oliver Skip in like the 70th minute when the game was long gone. Yeah, yeah. Dave Kidd, though, he was talking about Nuno this morning in the sun. He said, uh, Spurs snubbed by countless managers before Nuno accepted a job about as desirable as a shift in a BP garage. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and topical, yes. I thought. They were well, done, Dave. Yeah. I mean, as I said, the, the choices in midfield, you know, they're always... They're always midfield kicking matches, London derbies, North London derbies. So you've got to have two players. You've got to have Skip and you've got to have Hoybier in yeah. there. You've got, to, you've got to win the battles first in those games. So the idea of picking Ondombele and Ali is just nonsensical. And you're right. How many times was the ball, one pass, got you through the Tottenham midfield yesterday? But if you're going to pick those individuals, and that's fine, but where are you playing them? What were you asking them to do? What was Ndombele asked to do in mm. this game? Was he asked to support the winger? Was he asked to get behind Harry Kane? Was he asked to get back and help the yeah. guy in central midfield? I have no idea what he was asked to do. And the same goes to Deli Ali as well. It was just five guys flitting around forward and Dombele who wasn't great himself like he was nowhere near putting enough effort in for that first goal to get back and get near Smith Rowe and get into that space where good defensive midfielders would be cutting that, that cut back out but he's there going what am I meant to do because they've got two or three running at me and the moment you pass it back to somebody I'm done yeah. I'm finished and, and who's he going to catch from those players so Arsenal were good in that first half and I think that they they are going to get praise for it. I think they're going to get stern. I think Brighton's coming up. It's going to be a massive test yeah. for Arsenal. But that was Arsenal's best team, and they won the game in credit to them. I hope they can build on it for Tottenham. Where they go from here, I have absolutely no idea, because this is going to take a real autopsy as to what happened. And it's Villa mm. next. It's Villa, they were brilliant. You, you know, were great. You saw them against Chelsea yeah, away from home. Were very yeah. good. They beat Saturday. Manchester we'll United. That That's a tough place to try and yeah. come back from. I've written down, I don't know who took more of a beating, Joshua or Spurs. Well, <laughs> I, think probably, I think probably Spurs. Um, <laughs> it was quite bad, that last so, round. Southampton Wolves. <laughs> yes. Um, it, was, it was good to see Jimenez scoring again after what he'd nice gone goal. through. Cracking goal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Southampton had plenty of chances. Should, they could have put that to bed before they scored. It's going to be the story for a few teams down there. We'll do Newcastle in a bit as well. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago when they had Armstrong and Che Adams up front for the first time, Southampton, you're watching them and you think... I think that's going to be the best striking partnership in the championship next season if they go down, right? They're going to score 20 goals apiece. But you watch them in games like this, and it, you know, it goes back to something we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. The managers who came up said it's those minutiae moments. That's the difference between the championship and the Premier League. Adam Armstrong needs five chances. Che Adams needs three chances. Danny Ings needed one. And that's the difference. If Danny Ings was still at Southampton, they would have won that game. Um, but for Wolves, you mentioned Raul Jimenez. The drama of last week when he took off his, his headband. You know, everyone, every football fan around the country, around the world, could feel his frustration. He's not doing what he used to be able to do. He missed a, a simple header for him last week. Mm. Insurance purposes, it's back on. He's obviously got back in the right frame of mind. I mean, the defending was diabolical. Mm. Like, utterly diabolical from the two defenders who just sort of were Bednarek in the end was trying to do one of them Phil Jones header tackles, which makes no <laughs> sense. Mm. Um, but it was a great finish and everyone's delighted for him. And, you know, he's a 15 to 20 20-goal-a-year striker. If they have that Wolves, they're going to be fine. Yeah, we should talk, uh, should talk Chelsea City, really. Yeah, um, we'll do that before we head off to the uh, the sports headlines. I thought uh, you might avoid that, to be honest. Well, yeah. we might leave it to the last. Look, you know, I mean, I saw the 
possibly the top three teams live on Saturday. And for me, clearly, City are still mm. the best team. They are. They've got the best players. They've got the best manager. And Tuchel, you know, has done a brilliant job for Chelsea. He's had a lot of praise, but he got it completely wrong. There's no question he got it completely wrong. And it took them 44 minutes to go long when it was, you know, they'd already lost the ball about 12 times yeah. in their mm. own area trying to play it out. Get people around Lukaku. You've got him there. He can win the headers. I thought it was a poor effort, really. They really missed Mason Mount massively. Oh, yeah. Such a link between uh, midfield and attack. And so, yeah, it was difficult. But you have to say City were excellent. They killed they us. They were. 1-0, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Mm. City were incredible. That, that's the best we've seen from City for a long, long time. They went into the game knowing how tough it would be, how important it would be. And, the, you know, the, all the collective organisation that wasn't there for Tottenham, which we just spoke about, was there for Manchester City. The collective pressing, the individual pressing, and, and the way they never wasted the ball when they got it. But, you know, it's a narrative of this weekend, I think, and of the season so far, in that teams are getting rewarded for going into games and trying to win them uh, from the outset. What are we trying to do here? We're trying to win this game. We're not trying yeah. to get something from it. We're not trying to sit on something. We're not trying to just nick, nick a Chelsea's result problem. at the end. Oh, yeah, and, and Tuchel basically said it. They were playing like they had something to defend. Mm. And yeah. this weekend, across all the games, really, if you played like you were trying to defend something, you failed. If you went into the game to try and win it, you got rewarded. Uh, and maybe that's a legacy of five years of Guardiola and that great yeah. Liverpool team. You know, you're, the teams yeah, often I mean, copy the champions. When, when Chelsea changed it in the last 20 minutes, they, they all right, they could have conceded, but they also could have scored. They yeah, were kind of yeah. in the game. They said the crowd got behind them in the first 60 minutes. So shame they never did it from the start. Oh, absolutely. You, you want them I to hate, go toe-to-toe. I do hate those 12.30 Saturday kickoffs. I mean, yeah. I don't think Chelsea ever win a game when they lost 6-2 to West Brom last year. Drew a lot of games Southampton these they just never play well mm. I mean it's great for you know if you're in the far east it's prime time but for the fans here it's just never a great fixture the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast we're looking back over the Premier League weekend we've got seven games to squeeze in a short space of time Manchester United against uh, Aston Villa mm. and um, it all comes down to that penalty miss in the end it did seem very odd as a lot of people have said already that a player has to put like a 500 word uh, oh, apology together yeah. for missing up players miss penalties don't that's what happens this know? whole culture now of players having to go on social media and apologizing for the way they played footballers only owe me as a paying consumer a ticket holder is your 100% effort that's all you owe me you don't owe me a good performance you don't owe me a hat trick you don't know anything else but that Bruno Fernandes gave everything he had on the day and I don't think anyone could question that. He owes me nothing and he owes no Man United supporter an apology for doing that. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, but that is the world we live in now, unfortunately. Yeah. The Glazers owe the fans an apology for not bringing in Antonio Conte. Yes, <laughs> and about 500 million in players, I imagine, as well. Yeah, And maybe they've a roof that don't leave. They've got the players. Yes. I, can't, I cannot believe these people that defend it. He's, he's obviously got Mash United at heart. Yeah. But it's clear that with this squad, anybody else, they're too many times they underperform too many times they do this yeah sort of result especially at old trafford i just think it's if they brought in conte now they'd win the league they would he's the best league manager in europe in my view the conte question is interesting because he's always floating around isn't he uh, in terms of you know what he did in that short spell at chelsea and what he did at inter and, and his incredible achievements however He'll come in and say, well, I want rid of these seven players and I want these seven players yeah, and he no, wants no, everything he's, his own he's, way. He's and they, tricky, he's tricky, and they've spent but... the last four years, Man United now, building the old culture under this, this coach. The trouble is with Solskjaer, you know, the, the, the arguments are cyclical, but the thing is, he is a good coach, but he's not a Tuchel-level coach. And a Tuchel-level coach and a Guardiola-level coach wins you the Premier League and a Conte-level coach wins you the Premier League. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is growing and growing and growing into this job, but how long can you grow into a job when you have the biggest wage bill in the country and Cristiano Ronaldo's final two years of his career? But we, we should say here, you know, we didn't do it for Arsenal as much, or I didn't, but Villa are a very good team. Yeah, They're yeah. a very good team. You saw them against Chelsea recently when they lost 3-0. Inexplicable, they lost that game 3-0, mainly because Mendy was so good on the mm. day. But they're such a good football team, defensively strong. Going back to what we spoke about earlier on, they go into games to win them. Watkins and Ings on the field at the same time. Douglas Luiz belongs in that conversation of Declan Rice and Wilfred Ndidi and, and those sorts of players. You know, I think he's really, really good holding that midfield together. John McGinn is one of the most underrated players in the league. Uh, this week it was Hawes and Mings, but you had Concer and the other defenders who like to tackle and get stuck in. And in Martinez, 
What a goalkeeper. And all that Hulk Hogan pointing at Ronaldo, you take it, you take it, during the penalty, and then the little dance afterwards, you know... He's a brilliant goalkeeper. I mean, you know, he's no Aaron Ramsdale, some would say, but I think he's very, very good. So they deserve to win that game, I think. It's interesting you call him Courtney Horse. Jonathan Pierce called him Courtney Horse. So is he yes. a horse or a horse? He's, he's, well, he's a horse. He's not a house. He's not a house. He's not a horse. He's a horse, as far as I understand. Thank you very much. Either way, you're in trouble with that, right? Just call him Courtney and leave it at that. Doctor's use. So, um, what about your boys, Leeds against West Ham? Oh, uh, yes. I was quite stressed by this game. A bit fortunate, I think, really, to win the game because the Leeds yeah. had a lot of chances. Leeds do what they do, right? Leeds in the first half an hour I thought were fantastic. I thought they were winning the individual battles and with the injuries they have got at the moment, I was surprised by how good they were. I think aided by the fact Rafinha was fit and I thought he was the outstanding player on the field for like 60 minutes. The trouble is they didn't have any reinforcements to bring on because the squad depth isn't there and West Ham grew and grew and grew into the game and plus they have Mikel Antonio. Hmm. And I think Mikko Antonio, no one saw this coming. You know, he's always been a good player. He's always had talents. But the improvement is almost astronomical. Yeah. And his fitness is always going to be a concern. I don't expect him to play in the Europa League in midweek with Brentford coming up on Sunday. He's not going to play two games in a week, despite how important he is. But when Leeds go forward in that 90th minute, when they probably should have been trying to hold on for a point, it gets cleared. Who's on the edge of the West Ham area winning the header? It's Mikel Antonio. Mm -hmm. He then finds a pass from that situation. He then runs 70, 80 yards. He then gets the ball from Rice. Shackleton shouldn't have gone in with that challenge, but the little touch to get away from him. And then incredible composure yeah. and I love uh, the commentary I was listening to was Colin McNamara and he was like for the win and when you mm. do that in commentary you're desperate for them to score it you only do it when it's like Mo Salah if it's yeah. Salah you do it otherwise you hold that back because you embarrass yourself <laughs> but he knew he was going to score everyone knows now Antonio's going to score and if you can get 30 games from him you might get 20 goals and that might be top 6 for West Ham which would be incredible yeah um, I wonder if he was saying that Murphy went through in the Watford Newcastle oh. for, the, for the win <laughs> <laughs> did you see I can't, was it the John Anderson commentary John Anderson, was, oh. yeah, John Anderson stick it in the net yeah. oh it was so true well even Alan Shearer was saying you know you've got to put your foot through that and, and bury it he's yeah. trying to be too cute but I mean well they had so many chances Newcastle against Watford I was watching the game with a Watford fan who was pulling his hair out throughout the entire game there was Jolinson Almiron Willock Clark and then Murphy mm. who had sitters there was the one where um, Cathcart played it to Son Maximan who was one of one with Foster from the halfway line squared it to Longstaff who somehow put it over the bar without exaggeration Newcastle should have won 7-1 yeah, yeah. against Watford at the weekend but they haven't got Danny Ings they haven't got Mikel Antonio and that will be an issue for so many of the teams down there this season yeah, mm. Ben Foster had a good game yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we should have a good Brentford Liverpool yeah. you were there you were both there you, were, you, you saw the game yeah. yeah I was there I really enjoyed it Brent, you say Brentford have got West Ham coming out that would be, that a, should be a tough game, game. brilliant game that. Uh, just so impressive I mean they, they Liverpool, I didn't think were that great to mm. be honest, and Brentford were. Yeah, Liverpool could have won it. They should have won it. Yeah. Really, Salah should have won it at the end there. But you know, Ivan Tony, if he's not in Southgate squad, then there's something wrong. He really should be. Do you know what, what I loved about this game, and I, what I hate about the kind of modern way football is analysed as well, is that there'll be 400 think pieces today on what happened in this game and and why Liverpool weren't as good as they could have been and why Brentford were good. This game, why I loved it so much, or why it was so brilliant to work on, it was almost ethereal, right? It was almost like if you reach out to try and understand that game, you ruin it. It would just disappear <laughs> in front of you because it was Brentford playing Liverpool for the first time since 1989 and going toe-to-toe -to -toe hmm. for 90 minutes. And, you know, there was the great hmm. Tony moment that... You know, it was the goal disallowed in the end, but his finish was incredible. Mm. And they just got stuck in. You know, as much as football is about deep analysis of the tactics and or and getting a throw-in coach and that sort of stuff, sometimes it's getting these guys in the right mentality at the right moment. You know, it, it led in a way to the equaliser from Jota because they wanted to keep Pinnock on. Pinnock was injured for like 20 minutes, but yeah, they tried to keep him on because that group had obviously been put in such a mindset and it was going so well, they didn't want to change it. It did cost them. Um, but you can tell that Brentford are so much more than tactics at this point. There's so much more than, you know, who plays where and who marks who. It's about mentality and get after them. Don't be afraid of Liverpool. And they won't. Can, you, spirit can they sustain yeah. it? You think this is often the thing. We well, see teams come yeah. up and then they get that kind of yeah. jubrance of coming be hard. up. And I, think, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. They, they will, yeah. I think they'll stay up. But uh, I didn't realise how short uh, Diego Jota is. So when you were standing in front of me, I thought, <laughs> oh, you look much bigger on the telly. Oh, did, you, did you look down at well, him? That's, Where that's was a, he on you? That's a no, useful take Where was he on the Jacob scale? We've got to know. But he did, he did rise for that header. He was tremendous. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, 
to be fair, there's a six foot centre half a yard away from him who seemed to completely lose the flight of the ball in the four foot centre, centre forward. But yeah. you know, it was great header nonetheless. Yeah, uh, Leicester Burnley, we should uh, look at as well. Yeah, so it's, it's not really happening for Leicester, is it? It's not happening for Leicester. I think that they are a team as they have been for eighteen months. Really, they're trying to find a new identity, and the new identity seems to be the old identity, which has slipped the ball into Jamie Vardy, who keeps on doing it. And I still think he'll do it for a long time, but. I'm not finding Leicester too interesting at this moment in time. I find Burnley very interesting in this game because Burnley, uh, if you're not a Burnley fan, there's almost no reason to watch Burnley, right? Mm. That's been the rule for a long time in the Premier League. I'm not sure that's true now because Maxwell Cornet is worth yeah. watching. Yeah. He is worth watching. The goal is spectacular. A spectacular finish. Mm. And he went off injured just before half-time, which is such a shame because mm. it killed Burnley offensively in this game. But it's the first time I've watched Burnley and thought, they look really dangerous. They look entertaining. He's... he's his ball control was fantastic. He brings other people in. You can see he's going to get more out of the likes of Dwight McNeil. He's going to get more out of the centre forwards. And he is going to be a player to watch if he is if they can keep him fit. If we can get 20 games from Maxwell Cornet, I might even watch Burnley through choice, not getting paid for it next week, which would be great. First time ever. But he was a bit of a set-up and take notice signing. When it happened, he thought, hello, you know, that's quite yeah, an interesting not a Burnley signing, right? Burnley yeah. Like yeah. So, yeah. But, no, that, but they need some non-Burnley signing because yeah, Burnley yeah. have done Burnley for eight years and, and work yeah. as, as well as it has. It's not something you would pay money to see. And at this point, maybe even Burnley fans are thinking that. And, and Sean Dyche needed someone to do something different, something that wasn't in the realm of his imagination. I think in Cornet, they've got that. Yeah. It's Burnley Norwich. Goal. Great. Yeah. One of his oh, best yeah. finishes. It was, yeah. Flick, Burnley yeah. Norwich next weekend. So, um, uh, yeah. yeah. I wonder who win that. Yeah, it did feel a bit, you know, was something. I mean, for this early in the season, it did feel ever We've so... We've got Norwich on the 23rd of October. That's probably going to be their first win. It did, well, it did Everyone's feel thinking ever, that now. Everyone, everyone, yes. I know. It did feel ever so routine, that 2-0. You probably, If you were going to yeah. guess what that scoreline was going to be before the game, you probably would have gone 2-0. Yeah, I mean, look, I heard someone the other week, it may have been Matt Davis-Adams, describe uh, Daniel Farker as the German Neil Warnock. And that seems about right. You know, he's fantastic at getting teams promoted, but he's useless at keeping teams up. And they looked like a team when they walked out there that were just waiting to get beaten I'll say Matthias Norman in midfield who I've not seen before played quite well mm. um, and, and mm. may be able to give them something different that I haven't seen before but defensively weak offensively poor not got Premier League players and Everton right now just seem to be hitting a little groove a little groove with some of these players Decore was great Townsend was great they've got players to come back like Calvert-Lewin who will improve them Richarlison will improve them so Everton are just moving in the right direction and Norwich are just kind of not worth our time right now my question would be do Norwich want to do something different? And as, as much as Daniel Farker's done them a great job, with him in charge, they will get relegated and they'll not, get 20 it's points. It's not his fault. It's what they do. It's the way they mm. run it. That's why they're such a yo-yo. They're, like I said, they're good enough. They're too good for the championship, not yeah. good enough for the Premier League. They never do anything about it. So it's just going to be repeat itself they're but they just, haven't got to make know. us happy right I always say this with Norwich fans they haven't got to make you and me happy and neutral they've got to make their fans happy if their fans are happy with that then good luck to them handshakes all round that just means there's two relegation places every other year that's I've fine I've written down we could give Norwich half a point for turning up no they don't get half a point because they played a team in blue and their home kit is yellow and they wore orange there was no reason to change the kit no points <laughs> it must have been selling slowly in the shop still got a higher XG than Tottenham though Norwich <laughs> so uh, thank you Tom we'll catch up with you Soon. Pleasure. Thanks very much. There we are, Tom Rennie taking us back. A whistle stop tour. Is we that were... true? Have they got no. no. <laughs> <laughs> they probably have. They probably have. I'm not, I'm not expecting any goals anytime soon. So I mean, why should they be? Brentford's XG was higher than Liverpool. If we're going to talk XG, oh, let's, let's XG and Roy. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm going now. I'm not doing XG. We're going to get. We're going to get. We're going to get Roy Hodgson on, and we're going to have a new series called XG and Roy. There'll be fan, no tigers. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksby Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. After the Champions League games tomorrow night on uh, BT Sport 3, uh, you can see a new documentary that will be available on the app and the website straight afterwards. It's called Standing Firm Football's Win Rush Story, looking at the an examination and a celebration of, uh, of the role that uh, players from the Caribbean have had on uh, football in this country. And joining us to chat about it now, Manuel, uh, who'll be voicing that and has written a special poem to coincide with its launch, is the poet, writer, Villa fan, actor these days as well, Benjamin <laughs> Zephaniah. Hi, Benjamin. <laughs> Hello, good morning. No, I was going to say good morning, good afternoon. Good afternoon, yeah. yeah. I, ju I just had a nap. That's why I'm thinking. Oh, <laughs> 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 not, not, not listening to you. Not listening to you. Just had a nap. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I mean, yeah, as you say, so many players, have, certainly when I was growing up, was the, 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 the first 
uh, we saw more black players playing in this game were were from the Caribbean, weren't they? And, and probably directly linked to their parents arriving on Windrush. That's right. Well, on the Windrush itself, and the, and a couple of ships and planes that came afterwards. Mm. Most of the people kind of like cricket, which is not my kind of a game, but. Um, their offspring, their children went on to be, many of them, great footballers. And, you know, a lot of them were making history. I can remember when I was living in Birmingham. In fact, I'd just moved out of Birmingham and you had the three degrees at West Brom. And, I mean, they were playing football, but they were so celebrated in the community because there were like three black players, all very good at West Brom. And it was just, you know, people talk about sport being on the back page and every now and again it moves, it moves to the front page. Well, these footballers, they were, they were talked about in the parties, they were talked about on dates, you know what I mean? They were really celebrated. And so um, this is what the film is about, really. It's a kind of recognition of what they've contributed to football. Because when we think of Windrush, we automatically think of the Caribbean people coming over and working on the buses, you know, working in the NHS and stuff like that. But we don't tend to think about the impact they've made on football. No. It was a troubling interview in the Sunday Times yesterday featuring Andy Cole, and he talked about what it was like for him, and it sounded pretty bad, wasn't it? There was a, They had to face a lot. Andy Cole, I mean, he featured in the film as well, and he was amazing. I mean, it, it, his story can make you cry. And, I mean, what his father went through, his father was a miner. He went into the Nottinghamshire coal pits um, and I, I have to confess and, and I know quite a lot about the history of black people in Britain but up until a year or so ago I didn't know there were black miners in Britain you know mm-hmm. um, I just didn't know that and um, and his dad was one of them and we took him to the place where his dad worked and showed him the kind of confined space he would work in and he, he almost burst into tears because he had never experienced it himself um, so that was quite emotional. And of course, what he's been through personally, his health and things like that, is, is, is really, a, uh, I was going to say sad, but a really gripping story. And and, and the fact that he was doing a, a job like that and showed his son how difficult it was, he didn't want him to be a footballer, did he? I mean, I'm sure there was no. a lot of black parents in those days saying, don't put yourself in that situation. They could see the kind of racism that was all around them on a daily basis, and they probably thought that would just be amplified in a stadium full of 50,000 people. Well, it was it was partly racism, but to be honest, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience now and from some of the conversations I've had, it was more about we've come this far, you've got to better yourself, you've got to get a proper job. And remember back in the day, footballers weren't that wealthy like they are now, right? Um, so, and, our, and, and even if they were, our parents didn't see that. So it was like, get a secure job. I mean, mm. it's like, you know, telling your parents you want to be a poet. What? <laughs> <laughs> get a job. Um, so there was that kind of, they didn't really see it as a, a, a proper job to go to. And, and, and it's kind of understandable. Because back home, back in the Caribbean, cricketers, you know, they would, they'd be playing for the West Indies, but you know, after the after the, the tour, they'd go back to work in a in a factory or something. Mm. So that's what they associated kind of sports with here, and it was just a good fun thing to do. I mean, Andy especially, he talked about playing football in his in the living room and stuff like that. I mean, he was obsessed with football, but the, his father didn't see it as a viable means of earning a living. We are very critical of countries like Hungary after the last international, rightly so. But, I mean, you have to think, especially when you think of the European final and they miss the penalties, there's still a big problem here, isn't there? You know, something happened today and um, it, it, it came up on my Twitter feed. It was really sad. I don't want to say too much about it because I don't really know that much about it. But apparently there's a some guys who have a, uh, Ghana FC, it's Aston Villa, the Ghana kind of fan club of Aston Villa, mm. and they've said they they said they want to come to Villa Park, and somebody's like attacked them racially online, mm. and I just get this, I just got this message saying, um, um, Benjamin, can you kind of make a stand for, for anti-racism? I mean, I just sent a message saying, look, I've been going to Villa Park since the 1970s. I used to take a bit of stick then, and but to be honest, recently. Um, I have not experienced anything like that at Villa Park. 
I have to say, I went to the first England game and I did see and hear the booing of the black fans. And that really went to my guts because I, I was talking to some of them before and then, and then they were booing black players. I, I literally stood up and pointed to myself and saying, that's me, you know, do you remember me? I'm, I'm supposed to be a mate. Um, there is something about that crowd mentality. Mm. Um, something comes out, which is, I, I, I'm trying to overanalyze it now, but it's very, very wrong. And we've got to do something about it. it it's, it's really simple, isn't it? Why can't we live together? I mean, that's not complicated. No, I think yeah, that's exactly what everybody feels. <laughs> Anybody really right-minded people all think that. But, yeah. you know, I'm not sure that, that you know, us in the media are, are blameless either. I mean, the, the treatment of Raheem Sterling, Andy Cole was talking about that. You know, if you think about, yeah, now he's a great hero because he's been brilliant for England. But when, when he was coming up, and especially after 2016, we didn't have a great tournament, but neither did anybody else. But this sort of picking on him and this idea that, you know, he shouldn't be able to buy his mother a house. He shouldn't be able to have all this money. He shouldn't have a lovely car. You know, it, it's not right, that. It's really not right. And this is one of the reasons why our parents tell us that we have to work twice as hard as a white guy and we have to be twice as diligent and, um, um, diligent and, 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 and quite and, and, and much more careful because we don't know if we're going to be physically attacked as well as verbally attacked. It's very sad that an old 63, going 64-year-old like me, who used to fight these battles in the 70s and 80s, is still talking about this now. Guys, I come on here, I just want to talk about football, you know what I mean? But we have to we have to talk about the the giant elephant in the room. Well, it's not even an elephant in the room, isn't it? Because it rears its ugly head and becomes front-page news. But sure. it's really sad. Raheem Sterling, sorry, not Raheem Sterling. Um, oh, God, he's, he's, sorry, the brother that does the... Um, Helps the, the children with their Rashford, Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford. Yeah, Marcus Rashford. I mean, he is not a, a black hero or a Caribbean hero. He's our hero. You know, he's done something for all the children of this country. Mm. He's, he's gone beyond colour. And that's something we should love about this country is that people, I mean, I don't want to get political, but regardless of government, we get on together most of the time, but some stupid idiots spoil it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the documentary sounds really interesting, and there, um, there's some great old footage. I've, I've watched the trailer, and so you've written a new poem for it. People can hear that as well. So, Standing Firm Football's Windrush Story, BT Sport 3, 10.30 tomorrow night after the Champions League, so you can watch it on the app. Uh, or, um, or or indeed on the website. Before we let you go, I'm sure there's a lot of Peaky Blinders fans out there, Benjamin. It's an interesting <laughs> third act for you, isn't it, really? To, I mean, at, 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 as a prop, as you said, a Villa fan and a Brummy, it must be great to be in something that's become a kind of a, a put Birmingham on the map recently, isn't it? Well, well, it has, but the, the problem is the Peaky Blinders, the characters are Birmingham City fans. Oh, of course, and you're Villa. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm Villa, yeah, so... I get sick about that. But no, I'm very proud of the, the, the show, the, 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 the drama series, because it has put Birmingham on the map. It's famous all over the world. I've been sitting in hotel rooms in Japan and Germany and watching it dubbed in Japanese and German and stuff like that. And I'm just really proud of it. It's um, This is the last one, this series. And um, so it's going to be fantastic goal. But there are other... Peaky Blinder Project. This Ooh. is an exclusive. Oh. Okay, I've got to put possibly, allegedly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> spin-offs. So spin-offs or movies. It's often a movie, isn't it? Your, just finally, before we let you go, your your character. I mean, a lot of people say, well, you know, it wouldn't have been a black character around that time. But there was these based on a real character. It's absolutely based on a real character. Mm. I didn't even do the audition for the thing because when the guy was writing the part, he knew he wanted me to write it, um, Steve Knight. Um, my there was this guy who fought with a battalion, unusually for a Caribbean person. They used to have these Caribbean and African battalions, you know, the the, the, the British Army. But unusually, this guy fought with some guy with a, from Birmingham, a Birmingham battalion. He went back to Jamaica, missed his buddy so much that he made his way back to Birmingham and ended up kind of roaming the streets and mixing with these guys who, who were really called Peaky Blinders. And um, he's slightly off his head, but he was preaching hell and damnation to Birmingham City fans. No, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, no, it, it's true. And, and that's another thing. When we talk about, sorry for going back on this, but hmm. when we talk about the Windrush generation, 
A year before the Empire of Windrush, there was another ship before that carrying ex-servicemen who could come and settle in Britain. And there was another one before that. So the Windrush generation didn't start with the Windrush, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The black presence in Britain started, you could go back to the amount of black people, some of them that never saw England or Britain, that fought for the country. I mean, it's an amazing history. Yeah, absolutely. Benjamin, good to talk to you. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks very much. I love you, brother. Take care. Take care. There's Benjamin Zephaniah there, mm. that documentary tomorrow night, BT Sports. That sounds good. Okay, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, so I've seen some of it and it looks, it looks really, uh, really good. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Yes, good afternoon. Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Later on, we'll be looking ahead to uh, the remaining Premier League game between Palace and Brighton. And Mark Tinkler, for me of Leeds, will be joining us as well. He was involved in that game at, at Spennymore Town at the weekend. Uh, a, a fundraising game where there were no <clears> headers uh, in the second half uh, at all and in the first half only headers in the box so interesting dynamic Mark Tinkler uh, played in that game so we'll get his thoughts on uh, how it all panned out but before that um, on Mondays we've been bringing you a sort of selection of old clips from back in the day these ones are from 2009 as we've always said before a box of dusty old mini discs were found undiscovered uh, unloved in the corner. They're pretty random, aren't they? Last week was two thousand and five. That's right, two thousand and nine. So they're they're basically warts and all. We wouldn't say they're not gold. That's why they're clips of the week pewter because they're you know that's how they went out mm. back in uh, November. Well, pewter every week on that basis. Yeah, that's very true. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. so uh, we'll begin with as we often have with Mike Parry talking football. Certainly from a neutral point of view, it, it, it was absolutely fantastic. That that that, that, that Nimogen Vidic. Nimogen Nimogen Vidic we'll we'll work on the basis that you know he wasn't established though I think he may have been by then anyway here's Mark Saggers taking a call but uh, Scott who's a Newcastle fan from Aberdeen has uh, called us on this issue hi Scott good evening how are you doing guys yeah we're very well Uh, Quinny you're a god Quinny it's Alvin Martin (laughs) Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't worry, he'll, he'll ring Quinny and let him know, mate. And when Quinny did eventually get on here, one caller got particularly irate with him. Anton Yahya is a good player. And then there's, there's um, a central defender. He's only 21. His name is Halish. He's playing in Portugal. OK. Well, I we mean, keep... Ahmed, you know, well, I mean, just one second, uh, Quinn. <laughs> he went to public school. Oh, yeah, but, 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 just mm. Quinn. Quinn. Quinn, please. <laughs> and here's Adam Brazil. On breakfast. First, some texts and emails. Uh, keep them coming, by the way. It was great to hear Barry Fly. Barry Fly. <laughs> Barry Fly, yeah. It's this short-lived airline that Barry had. <laughs> Hello, mate. <laughs> Cruising at 35,000 feet. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Barry, Barry Fly, that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Chuck's Adrian off the plane. <laughs> what a small packet of peanuts, mate. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Barry Fly. That's right. Anyway, uh, this is uh, Ronnie Arani with a caller. Yeah, uh, Mick McCarthy yeah. is well wisely playing it down, Steve, isn't he? Yeah, he is. You know, he's like he's um <clears throat> he's a northern northern bloke, and uh, he keeps his heart on his shirt, and he, he I mean he's sleeve of his shirt, and that. Oh, he wears his heart <laughs> on his shirt, his sleeve of his shirt. It's very specific, isn't it? Really <laughs> brilliant. Back to Mike Parry again, alongside Andy Townsend talking music. I only learnt yesterday that um, the great Freddie Mercury, right, yes. who I think was one of the leading musicians of the second half of the 20th century, you know, he, he wrote, you know, um, uh, what's it called, the famous Queen single. <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? Mike would often do that. He'd paint himself in a corner and he'd not really done a great deal. He thought, no. well, I'll riff this, but then he completely forgets any Queen songs. Uh, another from Mark Saggers, this time reading out a text. My proudest moment of my local club, Marine, playing Rochdale in the first round of the FA Cup at Anfield. We lost that day, but the reason it was at Anfield was that our ground was too small. Everton and Liverpool both offered to host the game, but Anfield got the knob. OK, fair nod, enough. I think, I think nod. <laughs> nod is the phrase he, he, he was uh, looking for. Brilliant. Back to the lines again, and it's Mike Graham taking a call on the overnight show. Two, double, three, double, four. Let's go to Mark uh, in Lancashire. Hello, Mark. I think Mark may be asleep. Hello, Mark. <laughs> that used to happen quite often, didn't it? Well, you it? know, because you're waiting for the call yeah. to come. When it's three o'clock in the morning, you're exhausted. And then you suddenly... You're you just, just 
drop off. Start falling asleep, yeah, that's right. Um, it wasn't full of adrenaline. No. <laughs> one last one from Mike Parry, talking nature. I love the trees, you know, uh, particularly um, in the autumn when they're shredding leaves, particularly in the spring when the wind picks them up and they, they're waving at you. You, you know, you, you stand on your balcony there and the trees are literally waving at me. They're swaying in the wind. I wave back at them, you know. Yeah, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me. They're not waving at you, Mike. That's the wind. <laughs> yes. It's Alan Brazil taking a call. Okay, Liverpool fans, uh, here we go. Uh, let me go to Croydon. Uh, Venus is a Liverpool fan. Venus, morning. Morning, Venus. Morning, 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 morning Ronnie, and morning. Uh, I don't believe that. How <laughs> yeah, soon forgotten. Morning, <laughs> Venus. Did he have a good chip? Yeah. yeah move on. <laughs> move on. Want to sing that for us? <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, uh, for some reason. It's me, isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, no, is it? No, is it, no, is it you? I think it might be you. Oh. It's me. Anyway, for some reason, a lot of people are having trouble remembering the big man's name. So you think you need a new manager? Definitely. Yeah. I think he's okay. taken as far as we can. I mean, I, mean, I texted him this morning to Ronnie and... Uh, um, Alan. Alan, that's it, yeah. <laughs> oh, bloody, <laughs> this is very unusual, isn't it? I think Ronnie was getting people to call up and say, just, just forget <laughs> Alan's name. <laughs> uh, that bloke and Ronnie again yeah. <laughs> saying goodbye to their guest, the former Man City midfielder Gary Owen. And it briefly sounded like Alan was going a bit Star Wars. That's Gary, fantastic. nice one. Tom Thanks, man, Gary. Gary. Gary on there. I met Gary Ronnie uh, briefly a long, long time ago, believe it or not, in a, in a, a resort in Corfu. That's the kind of budget <laughs> version of Star Wars. <laughs> that bit at the beginning. <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? A long, long time ago in a resort in Corfu. <laughs> and finally, it's Ronnie Arani with a competition. Friends, is correct. Well done, mate. Whoa, we got one at last. Stay on the line. Here we go. Who was the first ever man... Down, down now. Is that Wynum? No, 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 you used to present it. You used to present no, it. No, don't Wynum. You used to present Countdown. Yes, you used to present Countdown. Uh, Richard Wynum. Yeah, you got him, mate. You got him. Modern Pal. Right, next one on the periodic table. Oh, time's out, time's out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here we go, here we go. Right, no added pressure on this question, but if you answer it correctly, you'll also win a Sony digital camera. Here, Right. Okay, so, well, basically you won the competition for today. <laughs> yeah, I thought, thought it went quite well, actually. <laughs> I had the first question there. Yeah, who Ronnie was said the first to, man? Surely that's Adam is the answer to that. Point, <laughs> yeah, I would have thought. Who was the first man? Adam didn't do Countdown, did he? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there well, we are. There's, sensational, there's a few nice that, ones really. Tremendous. Um, David's been in touch. He mm. said uh, the one who had uh, his heart on the shirt of his sleeve, that was Steve Ball, he says. Was Talking it? to Ronnie, yeah. Ball's oh, right, okay. legend, Steve Ball. Thank you very much for that, yeah. David, for spotting that. So there we are. We'll bring you some more clips of the week pewter around the same time next week. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. We'll do it all again tomorrow from one, myself and Charlie. Andy will be back on uh, Wednesday. And then that's our last show for a week, isn't it? But yeah. uh, get it while you can. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back with you on Wednesday. Uh, if you can join us tomorrow for one, great. If not, podcast available around 430 You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.